Welcome to Vitalnomics, the Church Vitality Podcast, a digital arm of the Church Vitality Network. I'm your host, Gary Moritz, and joining me will be today's voices in church revitalization and renewal. This is a place to find spiritual health, active leadership, and finding legacy over longevity. No matter where you are on the revitalization journey, God is writing your story through His church. He's called you to do it. So whatever you do, don't quit. Reach out and keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. If you find this episode helpful, share it. If you have some helpful insights on revitalization, let's share them on the show. Now, let's get into today's topic. Welcome to another episode of Vitalnomics, where we bring clarity to vitality. And I'm so pumped about today's conversation because it's going to center around building teams. And so when I think of an organization that does this well, I think of the new breed that equips leaders and everyday missionaries to train like Jesus and plant like Paul. And I will also say they have the greatest stickers. So if you love stickers, this is the place to get stickers <laughs> in addition to everything else. Well, today in the studio, we have Peyton Jones, the founder of newbreedtraining.com, author of Reaching the Unreach, Church Zero, and Church Plantology with us to discuss building a team in a church revitalization context. And so, ladies and gentlemen, the church planting ninja, Peyton Jones. Welcome, Peyton. Hey, good to be here. Man, it is so exciting to have you on here. And I know this is your this is your world. This is your realm. And you've been doing this a long time. And I'm just so excited to share what God is doing in you and through you, and then also what he's doing with New Breed. And so, welcome, man. Let's have a conversation. Yeah. You know, I'm excited to be here. You and I were just locked in a room outside of Nashville with, with 12 other leaders. And I made the statement that you and one other person were probably the most interesting people in the room. I don't know. Does your audience know about you? Like, do they know who you are? No, no, <laughs> oh, no, not really. I don't really talk about it. So it's so funny, man. Um, that was a great, great time. Well, you know, you're a big proponent of team leadership and so we're talking about this in the church revitalization context. So how do you think about teams differently when it comes to building leaders? Yeah, that that's a fantastic question. And I also, it, it's funny because when I think of, of church planting and church revitalization, I've been a part of both. Right. And I love both. I actually love church revitalization. Sometimes you'll hear people say, why start new churches when there's other ones? And I I wholeheartedly agree that it's a both and rather than an either or that we need to do it all. And we need to be uh, really focused on leadership, which leads into teams. But I've always believed that both my experience in church revitalization and church planning are very similar. You think about the same things. You you approach that group maybe slightly differently in that you've got an existing group of people in a church revitalization context, and you might be working with a new group of people in a church planning context. But in both cases, you're really looking at mobilizing the people in front of you. And and that leads to the idea of team leadership, which for me, so much of ministry is really, and I know you shared this art because we talked a lot last week, so much of leadership is really about hero making, Mm. um, raising others up and getting out of the way of pouring into other people, seeing their gifts come alive. And I suppose the thing that, that I always think about teams 
is that teams freeze you up from that solo entrepreneurial leadership myth. Um, and it, it it really frees you up to, to harness the gifts yeah. and abilities of the people that God's put around you. I mean, you only have to look at Romans 16 and Paul's got this huge list of two thirds male and one third female. Right. And then he's always got teams around him. So well, one other thing, one way I may be a freak to, to, to your listeners is I lean heavily into the apest paradigm of yeah. Ephesians four. Yeah. And I don't know if you want to talk about that at all, but um, I see specialties yeah. uh, in, in teams. Right. Yeah. And so like you, you kind of led to it, like, so the solo pastor, right? I deal with a lot of this in New England. A lot of pastors feel like I'm alone and they, they're carrying everything alone. And when I even mention building a team, it's like a shocker. You're supposed to do this with a team. I'm like, yeah. So since you're so good at building teams, like why, why is it essential to build a team instead of leading by yourself? Like, it seems like an obvious answer, but let's hear well, it. I would, I would say if you looked at the study that Stetzer and Lifeway came out with years ago, why planters quit, you could easily apply that to why pastors quit. Right. They would be the same. And why did so many pastors quit post-COVID or, mm. or mid-COVID? Right. A lot of the reasons they quit would have been answered by having a competent team around you. Things like burnout, loneliness, isolation, temptation, all these things that if you had a solid team around you, You'd be okay. And and maybe when you're just worn out and tired, you're yeah. able to just say, hey, guys, I need a month. I got to collect myself. I, I got to get my stuff together. And, you know, COVID wrecked us. I mean, I don't know about you, Gary, because you seem like a guy where if you see a hill, you're not going to walk that hill. You're going to run that hill. Yeah, but right. But a lot of people, they're thinking, you know, uh, that took a chunk out of me. Right. And when you're in ministry, it's just fake it till you make it, keep going. And a lot of people just needed someone to look to and say, hey, I'm not okay right now. That's right. I, I need to take five. And you can do that with a team. Yeah. No, that's, re that's really good. Yeah, I'm definitely the guy that wants to take the hill. I know during COVID, it was pretty funny. Uh, I'm an extrovert, so I love people. So being isolated from people is driving me crazy. But my wife is an introvert. And she was happy as a clam. I mean, she had her books lined up. She was like, this is great. Uh, so we dealt with COVID very differently. Um, I wrote a textbook during that time. And, you know, I, I'm I'm like you. I'm naturally, you know, I, I, my, my gifting can either serve me or hurt me. But in the case of COVID, being an introvert, it really helped me. Right. But when it comes to team leadership, the irony is I am an introvert. I think I can do it by myself. Yep. Yep. And yet, when you look at Jesus, this to me is one of the most amazing things he did. When he started his ministry, he built a team yeah. from day one. And then he handed off to a team. I always think he was super kind yeah. in giving a team to his followers like that. That was one of the kindest things he ever did. Yeah, it's powerful. So if a pastor is feeling alone and he's just kind of thinking it's it's all about me and he hasn't even taken the time to look around his current church or even his life to think about some potential leaders that he could bring on his team. Like, what would you say to that pastor? Like, how how do you identify potential team leads and members? Yeah, the first thing I would say is don't be discouraged if you didn't build that team right away. It's okay. 
the Apostle Paul, you know, his first missionary journey, he's got Barnabas and Timothy, and you think, oh, that's a pretty solid team. And Timothy, you know, he taps out partway through. And then he and Barnabas fall out. And then on Paul's second missionary journey, what you really see Paul doing is building a robust, interchangeable team of 32 named individuals. Yeah. I mean, there were so many more that never got named right. in, in, the, in the New Testament. But, but the way to identify them, th- this is what I always did. This is a bit of an epiphany for me. I used to always think, you wait for the guy, and that that shows you right there. I I was only thinking male. Yeah. Um, when Paul, of course, in in Timothy and Titus, he mentions male and female. The women also. Yeah. Your team's going to have to be both sexes, unless you want to get yourself into all kinds of hot water. I don't counsel females. Right. I I'm dependent on females. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. I I know for me after studying the Gospels, where I was like reading, and I was like, you know. I was like, out of all the Gospels, Luke is the only one that surrounded himself with both men and women. Like when I look at it, like everybody else was male, male driven. And I was like, this guy had balance in his life. I don't know if it was because he was a doctor <laughs> and he had money. Like, I don't know. Uh, right. He was definitely wise. So. So, yeah. So I'll bring up the APEST thing because I think that's important. I'd love for you to talk about that. So. So how would APEST play into identifying potential team members and, and coming along and around you as a leader? Yeah, the APEST is really interesting because I I believe that those five functions, I don't believe the APEST is like uh, how some people will say um, their roles, their titles, their positions. I believe it's just functions of Christ's ministry. The mission aspect, apostolic means sent one. The right. prophetic, are we hearing the voice of God speaking to us? Um, are we experiencing his presence and power? Every every church ought to have these. Are we being romanced by the gospel? That's the evangelist function, the, the shepherd, soul care. Right. Uh, and lastly, teacher, going deeper into the scripture and understanding of the wisdom and word of God. Those things are really important. So I believe that if a church is functioning on all five cylinders, so to speak, um, this will continue to equip people in that. But if it's not, which is often the case because maybe you're a teacher, you know, mo- most churches nowadays are just led by a teacher. Yeah. So you don't have those, but every once in a while, th- this is what I believe. God places those giftings, emphases, and functions within the people that God has put around us, but we're not looking and paying attention. And that's where my epiphany on this happened, which does sort of answer the other question that I didn't fully answer, which is identifying potential team members. I would look for a spark um, and and start to pour into that person. Because I, I when I was looking for the Charles Spurgeon reader, right. I had an idea of what a leader should be like in my head. And then I look at Jesus and I look at the team he built. And <laughs> I think, man, those guys were nothing like each other at all. Right. In fact, What I think he did is he picked 12 people that had almost zero leadership potential in them whatsoever. Right. And I believe he just discipled them into leaders. So I believe that leaders are not born. I believe leaders are made through discipleship. I think it's character. I think it's, if you look at Paul's elder and deacon, and those are teams, by the way. I mean, teams run all the way through the Bible. You've got the team leadership of the Trinity. That's that's something people don't think about. Team leadership in the home, male and female. 
team leadership in the church, elders, deacons, it's a team sport. Leadership has always been and will always be a team sport. So when you see this, you go, okay, so if I don't have the nerd who likes to read Spurgeon, I'm looking at myself there and probably looking at you too, Gary, right? We both like to read and we like Spurgeon. (laughs) But, But here's the deal. I, I began, I, I'll never forget. It happened during a baptism one afternoon. All good stories start that way. Right. And I was baptizing and we had planted out four churches. And I thought, man, I am like George Bailey trying to get the heck out of Bedford Falls. And I can't leave because right. every time I raise leaders up, I got to stay because they keep going out. And I felt when I was baptizing, God answered prayers. I was screaming at him, Lord, help me get out of here. I got to go. God just really spoke to me as I was baptizing and said, there's your next church planner. Wow. And when, when, when I, when the other one came up, there's your next leader, there's your next, like every single one of them, let me tell you something, these were not my next leaders. And this is where I began to, to look at what Jesus did, because I realized none of these people have leadership potential. And God is telling me to treat them the same as I would that kid coming up reading Spurgeon. Uh, and, and I had trained a bunch of them. And sure enough, Gary, that's what I started doing. I started training average everyday believers, taking them with me to ministry. They would come back in the car. That was amazing. When's the next one? And I I realized the average believer has a hunger for these things. Yeah, that's really good. So you talked about the the APAS. And so maybe another question is like, what are the different functions? And I don't know if this is the same thing. Maybe I'm asking the same question in a different way, but what are the different functions that the team should cover? Like, so there's a solo and he's building a team. So what, what does that look like? I, I love that you've asked this because I have been called in to consult with, with teams of elders where they didn't even think about this, but they're, they're looking at the senior pastor right? and they're mad at him because uh, literally in Oceanside here, I remember getting called into a, a situation and they asked me to consult on teams, uh, which I do. And, you know, I came in and I, I said, well, what are you guys doing? They said, well, he's not counseling people. <laughs> I said, okay, what are you doing? And he said, well, you know, I'm a biker and, uh, and I, I just keep bringing people from the biker club to church and, you yeah. know, they, they, they call me uh Shep for shepherd. That's my, my biker name. And, I bring him in. I said, "Oh, so you're you're more like an evangelist, or a or or more like possibly even like an apostle, like you're a missionary. You're a missionary to all these bikers." Yeah. And 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 so I looked at the other guy that was really angry at him for not doing counseling, and I said, "Well, what's your makeup?" And turns out he was a shepherd. Mm-hmm. And I said, "You know what you guys have here is you're all looking at this one guy to do everything. None of you is going to go to the bikers or the, you know, the local community like he is. He was this like gateway into the community. Yeah. I said, if you guys will let him focus on doing that, then you, the guy's name with Dave, I said, Dave, you got to do the shepherding yeah. because you're, and you know what you could do? You could literally be over small groups because he was passionate. And he's like, I could. And I'm like, yeah, anything to do with discipleship, shepherding, that's your bag. What about you over there? Oh, hey, I'm totally into teaching. And, I, you know, we've been talking about team teaching. Okay, you're going to be a part of that. All of a sudden, you had this division of labor. And that's always the case. It's not that you don't share that stuff. Right. But there's an emphasis that ought to be there on the people that are passionate about yeah. that part of it. That's so good. Yeah, I think a lot of pastors just forget, like, it's not 
you know, and I felt that way when I was younger, like, hey, it's all on my shoulders when that's not the way Jesus created it. You know, it was always a team. The fact that God even partnered with people like us, that's a team. So, you know, the the average pastor today, if you looked at the classified ads of what a church wants, nobody but Jesus, who is a master of all five of those roles. I'm hoping you know what I'm saying when I talk about Master Chief from the Halo game, right? Master Chief, he was like this cyborg. He could... He could put his hand on any weapon and automatically master it. Jesus was that. We're not. We're grunts, right? We don't. We don't get to be mad. There's only one master chief. Yeah. And to the rest of us, he sends down special teams, kit bags. You're a sniper. You're a medic. You know. You're a green beret. You're a demolitions expert. We all have different specialties to take the hill. Right. right? But Jesus was the master of all. We're not. No, that's so good. So. You've you've mentioned it before. You've obviously you've been involved in church planting and revitalization. So let's maybe dig into the unique challenges of maybe, you know, what someone should be aware when building a team in the revitalization context. Like what 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 are they thinking about? Like what should be going through their head? That type of thing. You know, in a church revitalization, it's funny because often, you know, the name indicates that that the church may have been dying and it's in decline. And and I there's something special about the people that that hold the door, yeah. you know, that are that are there keeping it. They're holding the bag, so to speak. They're keeping everything going. They're there because there's this high sense of responsibility and they are passionate. And I think, you know, young leaders like I was when I stepped into revitalization context, I didn't understand, Gary, that these people were given their blood, sweat and tears for the church. There was already a ministry spirit in those people. And, and, and if that could be harnessed. So one of, one of the first things I would say that's a unique challenge is particularly if you're a younger leader, you think, oh, I need fresh blood. I need this. And you might, but you have to be so careful not to overlook those that have been there serving and pouring themselves out for this church. I'm not saying there's not a need for new leadership. You're a new leader. You're there. But there, there's also this sense of honoring. And if you do bring new leaders in, that you connect the old with the new. Yes. That, that you allow those people to still continue to serve because to take that from them is cruel. Now, if it's a power situation where they want to, you know, power and steer and control you, that's a whole different animal. But you, you, in some senses, you already have a ready-made team. Uh, I don't know what you think about this, Gary, or, or your listeners, but for me, I always think deacons are like, they're those who serve and elders, you know, they seem to be those who govern and they, you know I know these are out outdated terms but um but the the reality is there's there's a little bit of a distinction there yeah and 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 so to harness that that you may not just have one team you may have multiple teams yeah just thinking through of like what they should be aware I, I love what you said that you know those people have given their their life their blood sweat and tears and I've said for a long time you know just because it's your first day of revitalization doesn't mean it's everybody else's first day. Wow. That's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> and so I, I had a phrase when I, I remember when I stepped into my situation, I had a little pithy phrase that went honor up, honor down, honor all around. And it was just bringing people together in unity. And that, that really helped bringing people forward by honoring what's already there, what can be and what was and um yeah, yes and people down it's, it's so good man and i think unity is a big big theme in ephesians you know 
I've I've been in multiple revitalizations. I was I was once in a legacy church. I was in Dr. D. Martin Willie Jones's church right. in Wales, UK, as the evangelist, and then became the interim pastor. And I I just fell in love with those people. They were primarily an elderly congregation, but man, elderly people they they are there. They yep. are serving that church. And I mean, you know, I just. I fell in love, man. So I, I at times have said, Lord, if you want me to go back to that, I know I'm kind of known as the church planning guy these days, but I have a deep love in my heart for revitalization. It's not easy. I mean, I'm glad there's guys like you, Gary, that, you know, you you do podcasts and help people because it's a unique skill, right. but, um, but I love it, man. No, that's good. Well, as we, you know, as we close out our time, do you, do you want to say anything else to people, how they can connect with you or maybe something you didn't get to share about New Breed as they build teams? Yeah, probably the, the best thing on that um, is uh, there is a podcast we do called the Team Leadership Podcast, which really is a, um, it's a conversation between three people I have been in team leadership with on two different continents and then uh, the other resource that might be helpful is the Church Plantology podcast. And lastly, the newbreedtraining.com website, which right. has a ton of resources on, you know, all of these things, really. That's awesome, man. And Peyton, thank you for being on the show, for your leadership and paving the way for our listeners with things to think about and apply to their lives. And so you know, I'm just so thankful for you and everything that you're doing in this space. Check out the notes, the links, and connect with Peyton and New Breed. And I know they can help you in making disciples who make disciples. And so Peyton, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Gary. Awesome. Well, guys, that's a wrap. And we'll check you out on the next go around. <laughs>